How are y'all this morning? Hallelujah. Holy remnant. Is this is this the time change crowd or crowd or is this the that's what this is. Okay. Alright, let's just get that out of the way and not worry about it, alright? So um uh wow. Some of our favorite people are gonna be here this week. It's it's really exciting to me. I love that. And uh so if you haven't if you haven't gotten registered, you still can. How many how many of you are registered for the conference? Let me see some hands. Oh, a lot of you. All right, very good, very good. All right, um, let's receive an offering. If the ushers will come, and if you'd stand one more time, and just stretch yourself out, because we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna turn you into stone here in a minute. You know, because I'm gonna preach two hours and all that. Um. I want to give thanks to the Lord. I want to give a public thanks to the Lord. I, I, I uh, have been so blessed by the, uh, the generosity of the members of this church. You guys are so faithful. Uh, in fact, uh, when, I, when I brag about you to other people, because I do, they're astonished at being around a people who are so devoted to the work of the local church and so generous uh, to bring tithes and offerings into the house. Uh, I, I want to thank you. Um, and also, you know, we're entering into a season, probably in the next little season, it'll be um, um, some emphasis on love offerings. Without question, the Global Awakening people. By the way, this conference is not a new, it's not our conference. Our conference is hosting a Global Awakening conference. So we literally turn the building over to them. It's theirs. And, of course, it'll be really easy this week because um, Ben Stewart uh, will be organized the conference and will be, uh, will be leading it, administrating it. So he knows us very well, doesn't he? Um, but um, there'll be love offerings every night. Uh, we're also coming toward the Easter season where we'll receive... Uh, a love offering from for our missionaries and things, but guys, wow! The fact that you pl- first of all value the local church, and and second of all uh, honor the kingdom of God with your with your faithfulness, uh, it's pleasure. And and uh, having been a pastor for over forty years now, I've just never seen a people like you, and I'm honored to be your pastor. And I. Thank God for you. Let's let's give him thanks. Holy Spirit, would you just come and fall upon us again? In Jesus' name. And thank you for the spirit of generosity. Thank you, Lord, for your great, great love for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for the wonderful time we had last night. And let your let your spirit come upon us again today even as never before, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I did something last night, so I'm going to go ahead and, and, and double down this morning. I felt like the Lord asked me to, to tell you, if you're, this, this, if, you're not, if you're not registered and you're not registered because of the fees of the conference, 
Um, there's a list in the back, and if you'll put your name on that list, we're going to try to... Yeah. She, she reminded me something. Say it again. If you're not registered for the conference and you're not registered because of the fees for the conference, we'd like you to put your name on a list before you go. And I'm going to start to see to it that everybody who wants to come and can come. And uh, this is something I've done for years and years, but I haven't done it lately. And it's just been on my heart. Last night it hit me and, and uh, I want to double down on that today. If you come in the night sessions, there is no children's ministry. It will be better if you don't bring the children. Got it? All right. So even though the night sessions are, are open to anyone, um, we don't have children's ministry provided. You got to look. I don't know. I never know. Y'all says seven. Y'all says seven. I never know. When, when, you're, when you're as connected to the church as I am, you just, you just get up here. All right. Saturday night will be six because that'll be our regular service and our regular time. By the way, Randy Clark is staying over and, and will be with us over the weekend. Go ahead and give that a hand. All right, one of, the, one of the special guests is Bill Johnson. And Bill likes to tell stories before he preached, though he's funny because he reads stories before he preached. He, he's an incredible preacher without notes, but he always reads his stories. So I stole one of his stories to help you get ready for Bill. An old Italian gentleman lived alone in New Jersey. Got any Jersey people here? One, there you go. He wanted to plant his annual tomato garden, and it was very hard work because the ground was very hard. His only son, Vincent, used to help him, but he was in prison. So he wrote, Dear Vinny, I'm very sad. Looks like I won't be able to plant my tomato garden this year. I'm getting too old to be digging up a garden plot. I know if you were here, my troubles would be over. I know you'd be happy to dig the plot for me like in the old days, love Papa. A few days later, he received a letter from his son. Dear Papa, don't dig up that old garden. That's where the bodies are buried. <laughs> love Vinny. A day later at 4 a.m., the local FBI agents and the local police arrived and, and dug up the whole area without finding any bodies. They apologized to the old man and left. That same day, the old man received another letter from his son. Dear Papa, go ahead and plant the tomatoes now. That's the best I can do under the circumstances. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. You know, uh, here's here's the thing. You know, Bill has a research staff, <laughs> and and all these stories. You know, you know they're stolen. Listen, everything any preacher preaches is stolen from somewhere. I'm the biggest thief in this room. 
I've stolen everything anybody, I've stolen things people have thought and not written. <laughs> telling you now. I came from uh, my very first training, when I was trained in the ministry, it was in Memphis, Tennessee. And my seminary was next door to um, where Adrian Rogers was the preacher. Anybody know Adrian Rogers? Let me see. Only the olds, only the old, yeah. Adrian Rogers used to say that, uh, he used to say that, that he, he knew a preacher that said, um, I'll be original or I'll be nothing. And he said he soon found out he was both. <laughs> Somebody told me after the service last night, he said, man, I used to love Adrian Rogers. He said, he said, uh, he said he gave us a definition of reincarnation. He said it was putting the milk back in the can. <laughs> oh, you got to be old to know that one too. <laughs> Only a few old people. All right. Wisdom and revelation. Let's do this. Ephesians chapter one. And I'm going to be in the kingdom translation for a couple of reasons. And, and uh, in fact, I... I revised the whole thing to it. Kingdom translation is N.T. Wright's translation of the New Testament. Uh, he is, by the way, my patron saint, if you will. If, I, if there's anybody out that I read more of than anybody else, it's, it's N.T. Wright. He's an Anglican theologian. And those of you who want to do your own Bible studies, he has uh, um, little, little commentaries called the Everyone Series. And um, if, you want to, if you want a set of commentaries that are for your own devotional reading, get those. Anyway, in him, and this is a overlap from last week, you too, who heard the word of the Lord, the gospel of your salvation and believed it, in him, you were marked out by the spirit of promise, the Holy One. The spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until the time when the people who are God's special possession are finally reclaimed and freed. This too is for the praise of his glory. You remember, uh, you guys got the benefit of last week. I, I, I actually preached this part of the text. And what I did was I told you that Paul is retelling the Exodus story. And it's really big here because inheritance is uh, the promise of God to his people after they left slavery in Egypt, they would go into their inheritance. And when Paul speaks of inheritance, it's not an, a land to occupy, but it's being occupied by the presence of God. Yeah, you got it. You got it. You're in it. All right. So I'm not going to replow this, this field. This field we can plant tomatoes on. All right. Let's go to this, Ephesians 1 and 15. Because of this, and because I'd heard that you are loyal and faithful to Jesus the Master, and that you show love to all God's holy people, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. Hallelujah. I'm going to overlap that too. Whether you know it or not, most of you guys pray more than you think you do. Because I, I don't even mess around. I redefine prayer in this way. Whatever you long for in your spirit, 
is the fragrance of your prayer to the Father. And so listen, when, I, when, when the Lord puts people on my heart, I just, sort of, I just sort of lean into that a minute, you know? And so praying always means uh, I thought of you and I, <laughs> the spirit of God that's in me bore witness to heaven that Lord, you put them on my heart. I'm leaning in from last night. I, I, I just had this thing where I was like, um, I was in worship and I was thinking of some folks that had been with us, uh, but had gone and I just couldn't get them off my heart. But listen, my, what was on my heart was not, um, my concern for them. It was, as Paul says, my thanksgiving for them. People come and go in churches all the time. And for me, I, I just, I give thanks. I tell, I tell people all the time, I hold everyone with an open hand. You, anybody, anybody who comes in here, they came freely. Anybody who leaves, they leave freely. And I love them and thank God for them. Do you understand that? Um, also, <laughs> I'll tell you, I've had a, a little funny revelation lately. Um, I've decided that worry is a good thing. I just have, I know. I know the Bible says it ain't, but I decided it anyway. <laughs> you know, on my own, I had, I had my own revelation. So well, what was that about? I said, well, because I've, I've, under, I've come to understand that nothing I worry about ever happens. <laughs> so worry must be very effective. <laughs> Anyway, there, the, the, yeah, the sad thing is that'll be the only thing you'll remember from the morning sermon. The Bible says, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. And the God of peace will keep your heart and mind at rest in Christ Jesus. Do that. <laughs> Do that. I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. And I pray that God, that the God of King Jesus, our Lord, the Father of glory, would give you the spirit of being wise and seeing things that people normally can't see. Now you, um, because, because you are coming to know him. Now, this phrase right here is exactly why I said I'm leaning, I'm leaning into this translation. It's, in most Bibles, it's called the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. The word revelation uh, throws people off. He says it is. It's the, it's the gift of being wise and seeing things that people can't normally see. Oh, that's what you need every time you face a problem. That's what you need. That's what you need every time that you deal with yourself. We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom and revelation. We're desperate for it. We're desperate for it. Oh, we're so hungry for it. I tell you, if you walk in the spirit of wisdom and revelation, your problems will look different. The world will look different. The culture will look different. The future will look different. You'll look different. And you'll probably dream better dreams when you sleep. I'm not even messing around a little bit. 
The renewed mind. We are so desperate for the renewed mind. The renewed mind is the gift of Christ. When Christ comes into your life, the Bible says you're born again. Literally, you're born from above. I'm going to press into the John 3 passage, John 3 and 4 passage as I go through Ephesians. But not today. But I'm just telling you. It's the, it's the gift of a renewed mind. The ability to go, oh, I never saw that before. It's kind of like being in love. The, the natural correlative of it is like being in love. It goes like this. Listen, I, I, saw, I saw thousands of girls. But then I saw one girl and it was as if I'd never seen a girl before. You understand? One dude understands that. It's like, what was that? And, and it's a mystery. It's an incredible mystery. We love this mystery, this mystery of love. But I'm telling you, that's a natural correlative of what happens to a person who's in Christ. When you're not in Christ, you see and ration as the world sees and, 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 ration, and reasons. See and ration, see and reason <laughs> as the world sees and reasons. And listen, Right now, we live in this media world. We're constantly filling our minds with this thing from the information age. And all of it is based on human reason. I'm okay with it. Do it. You got to do it. But you have to live by the spirit of revelation. You have to live as a person who sees things that people don't see. You have to live as a person who sees ways that are not native and natural to, to people. This is what, this is the gift that is, and Paul, what's, look, look what he's praying for. Look what he's praying for. I want him to give you wisdom. I want him to give you revelation. If I talk to any person about their problems, I'll know very quickly what spirit they're of. And I'm telling you, most of us, most of us are reasoning and thinking from the natural world and the natural order and not as renewed people. And now I'm telling you, put on the mind of Christ. Um, now, you say, well, what is that? Well, here, it's like, one of the reasons I constantly am gathering with the saints, I'm gathering with the saints, always gather with the saints, is because when I come together corporately with the saints and we worship and we do the word, the spirit of revelation comes, literally comes and, and falls on me. And like when I'm worshiping, oh my goodness, there's a, there's a love that comes into me, even for people I don't like. Oh, I like it. No, I don't. And, and what, what I'm talking about is the capacity to carry that rather than have to have it ignited externally. The capacity to walk in that place and even the capacity to ignite it in others. I noticed through my life that the people who become my friends are the people who carry the spirit of revelation. I don't necessarily like people because of, because of their behavior or, 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 or 
lots of external things. But I've noticed as I read back through the years, the people that, um, that I find myself attracted to and wanting to hang out with are people who, when they speak, you'll hear something, whoa, and, and they don't know it. It's just like, boom, they put the bright light on me. And I go, oh, I wish I'd seen that. And all of a sudden, literally, most of the time for me, it's somebody who lives inside the scriptures and has seen a revelation from God. And it comes out in their natural speech. And then I'm like, I'm hanging out with that guy. That's all there is to it. I'm hanging out with that guy. Same thing happened to me in the opposite way when I was an unbeliever. When I saw, I, I, I looked back and I saw, when I saw people who didn't have any fear of God, I got away from them. As I, was, as I was being called by God in my life, literally before I was ever born again. Because I want you to know something. You can have the spirit of revelation before you're born again. You don't have it as an inward possession, but you have it as a, an experience that comes over you. And so when, when God was, because listen, God is speaking to you. He speaks. We live, in a, we live in a world of where he speaks. That's why the Bible says today, if you hear his voice, don't get a hard heart like they did in the wilderness. The prayer, the great prayer, the unending prayer. Oh God, open their eyes. Open their eyes. Open their eyes. Let me go further. Um, there's a lot of people who long for something. They long for. Oh, I wish it was like it is. They say back when such and such happened, and and oh, the things that happened to me. And again, again, what they're saying is there was external stimulus, and I got close enough to it that it got internal with me for a season, and then I carried that and walked around in that. But it's gone now. I wish it would come back. And what I'm going to say to you is, if you've had it, it's yours. You possess it. And you can tap into it. Do it. So how do you know? Well, can you tap into your trauma? Can you tap into your pain? And it be as if you are there. That's how God designed us. But he designed us that way for his glorious purposes so that we can tap into the things that we know. I know the presence of God. I know the spirit of revival. I can connect myself to it. This was the big change that came in my life when I realized that I could tap into and touch again the things that I had had. I can be possessed by my possession. Say it again. If, if being born again has come to you, you own it. If being filled with the Spirit has come to you, you own it. If revival has come to you, you own it. It's yours. It's your inheritance. It's your possession. You don't have to have it stimulated externally. You can stir it up in the Holy Ghost and you can go there all the time. Carriers and carriers are infectious. Do we need to talk about infection right now? I think we probably do. I think we probably do. I did, I did last night, and I think I'm gonna have to have to talk about it again, but let's do the scriptures. Oh. Oh. Now let's let's just do it. Let's just do it. Oh. Let me tell you something. I want you to 
receive it. Listen to me. It's going to be all right. Would to God that we had fathers and mothers instead of pundits and positioners. Oh, how desperate we are for leaders around us that have the spirit of fatherhood on them, the spirit of motherhood on them. We need fathers and mothers to get through this time. It's very interesting. We've, we've been just been through two weeks. Listen to me. Very, very little externally has changed, but fear has taken hold of us. Only those that are very old have the capacity to remember there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And yes, listen, we're possessed by fear. Now listen, I can scream at the darkness and it's not going to do any good. And I know me, I love to rail at things that I think are awful and terrible, but it doesn't change people. And so I'm like, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, I want the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because listen, we're coming into a time, we're coming into a season, we're there. Where a fear has gripped us, gripped us of a virus. It's very, very strange to me. Because I'm a very rational mind, and I'll go look things up and search things out. And, and, and hear me through before you react. Cause don't, don't get a reaction on you, because it, it just won't help you. <laughs> Because I came out of reaction. My initial reaction to the coronavirus was, what's the big deal, people? We've Listen, literally 20 to 80,000 people are killed every flu season in America. Okay, now, now just calm down. Just calm down. But this is different. And actually, the leaders are telling us this is different. Um, I wish, again, I wish instead of trying to posture it for political advantage, they would actually talk to us. We, we've had leaders in our time who have, who have told us that we're going we're gonna to go through this and get through this. What is desperately needed in this time, in this hour, is people who will walk with the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and understanding, but also people who walk with the spirit of kindness toward those who are weak. And so I'm going to have to understand. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I have a vested interest for wanting people not to be afraid to gather. I straight up have it. So let's get that off the table. Uh, conflict of interest will make you say messed up stuff. So I took a look and I said, well, what's going on? First of all, I noticed that, uh, I told you, I noticed that look, flu influenza kills people every year. And lots of people. And listen, nobody changes hardly anything. Right? Nobody changes. I'm like, okay, they don't do it. I, then I started looking at driving statistics, and I looked at the number of deaths on the road. Do you know 650 people died on the road last week? I overstated it last night a little because I looked at it wrong. I did the math over the night because I don't like overstating things. It, it, when, when you're making a point, when you overstate your point, you weaken your point. And nobody will listen to you if you keep exaggerating. But listen, has, did any of you guys think, oh, people die in their car, I'm not, I'm not driving to work today. Nobody thinks that, nobody thinks that, nobody thinks that. Now, what's going on, what's going on? So, flu has been with us forever. We factored it into our equation. Deaths in cars, been with us forever. We factored it into our equations. And we've factored it in such a way that we live without being afraid and without being controlled by those fears. What's got us? 
It's the unknown. It's what we don't know that has us afraid. It does. It has us afraid. And so what do we do about it? So number one, somebody needs to tell us we really are going to get through this. There have been a lot of more terrible things and that the long lens of history and the long lens of life tells us we're going to get through it. My mama, my 90-year-old mama, we always talk about problems and, oh, we'll do the woe-be, 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 woe-be. We do woe-be's like, we do woe-be's good at my house and in my family. But in the end, my mama would always say, well, son, we know this. This too shall pass. And then you hear it so much, you're like, okay, mama, let's say this first. This too shall pass, but we're going to do the woebies now. <laughs> no, it really will. So first of all, we're going to get through it. We're absolutely going to get through it. Some of us may die, but if you're in Christ, you're going to get through it. I mean, we are. We're going to get through it. We are, we are those who are the possessed ones. We are possessed by the power of an endless life. That's the witness concerning Jesus who lives in us who believe. Now, secondly, let's just, let's just show kindness and deference toward one another. I've, I've told my staff, get ready. If we have to, we'll do virtual church and we'll gather around. The, like, like people in England used to gather around their radios and listen to old Churchill. We'll gather around the, the live stream and, and we'll be a family of God. We'll do whatever we have to do. And some people have already made that option. Listen, God bless them. Am I going to be mad at people because, because the anxiety of the unknown has them? No, I'm not going to be mad at them. I'm going to say, God bless you. You're our family. We care about you. Encourage those who are faint-hearted. It, the Bible says rebuke the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. And so if faint-heartedness takes hold of you, listen, take precautions. I've actually told our ushers and greeters, learn how to greet people without touching them. I just came from uh, India. The way greetings are, are very highly cultural. Uh, you, if you go some places, they shake your hand. Some places they hug you. Some places they kiss you on one cheek. Some places they kiss you on two. Some places they kiss you three times. <laughs> And sometimes there's somebody that'll kiss you on the mouth and you'll go, oh yeah, oh yeah, this happens around the world. And if you go, if you went with me to India, they're like, don't touch us. In India, it's like in the church, they don't really, you don't see people hugging, touching, you don't see any of that. Here's what you see. And the only time there's a touching is when after the service they line up and they literally walk by the pastors and you lay hands on the top of their head and bless, speak a blessing on them. That's all they want. And, and on they go. But again, these things are cultural. So for us and for some of you, the, the, the touch is important. But hey, I told our leaders, learn how to say, I love you. Just touch yourself and look at them in the eye and bless them and say, God bless you. I love you. May the Lord bless you. Peace be with you. And so here's how I'm going to do. So you'll know this is how your pastor is going to do. If you reach out your hand to me, I'm going to take it. If you come to hug me, I'm going to hug you. If you don't initiate, I ain't doing nothing. 
That's how that's going to (laughs) go. That's how that's going to go. I'm just saying, let's be wise. And then wash your hands. Wash them more than you do, better than you do. And listen, if you got the sniffles, stay home. Watch us on the big eye. And let's go through this with deference and kindness to one another. It's going to be all right. I'm like, this is the first time in my life. I love, I'm a winter lover. And this is the first time I'm like, Lord, let the spring come. Bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. Let the sun shine. You got it? Meanwhile, we're still open our doors. We'll still be the people of God. And, and like me, I'm going to visit the sick. I'm going to demonstrate the love of Christ. I'm not going to be arrogant and foolish, especially in a healing church. Here's what I'm saying. We're in a healing church. We believe in healing. We practice healing. But we're not going to be arrogant. There's, there's a certain kind of way of being for people of faith that really is just arrogance. Leave that aside. Walk in humility and walk in, oh, it'll show us, the scripture will show us. And to have the eyes of your inmost self open to God's light. Then you will know exactly what the hope is that goes with God's call. Then you will know exactly what the hope is that goes with God's call. All right. Hope is always a perspective. Like I love the world we live in technologically. I love that you can like look at stuff and you can get a perspective. You can like look down. Do you, do you know that the people who are seated in the heavenly places are like have a different view? We have a different view from up here. And if you have a different view, then you will know exactly what the hope is that goes with God's call. God has called you. He's called you to live as a people with perspective. That perspective is one that always has hope. Hope goes like this. If, if Hope is never conditioned on external circumstances, but internal eyes and internal perspective and internal relationship my my hope is not in the course and the order of this world my hope is the in the one who has set the eternal order of all things we cannot we cannot let our hope we cannot allow our hope to be conditioned on who lives and who dies, who is sick and who is well, on how much money we earn and how much we don't earn. We cannot allow it. We cannot allow it. Our hope is on the call, the one who has called us. Our hope is on the, the destiny that he has in our life, not the misery that we have caused or received. And to have the eyes of your inmost self open to God's light, then you'll know exactly what the hope is that goes with God's call. You'll know the wealth of the glory of his inheritance in his holy people. All right, his inheritance. Second time we found this word inheritance. 
And I, and I, I always press things. I didn't used to know this. When I was a much younger preacher, I, I would see these words like this and I wouldn't get them. And then I realized that, that the New Testament is salted with echoes of the story of Israel. And when you see the word inheritance, I, I decided one day, well, what is this word inheritance? When you go back and you study the word inheritance in the old covenant, you find two things. You find that God had an inheritance for his people. That is to say, a homeland for them. And that God considered his people to be his inheritance. His portion of the, of the people of the earth. So our inheritance is in him and his inheritance is in us. <laughs> I want your eyes open to this. Now, uh, it's very hard in America because here's what we're seeing. We're seeing Christianity go from a majority culture to a despised minority culture. And it's happening really fast. I mean, it's happening ridiculously fast. All those people who prayed for the real church to arise are going to get their prayers answered. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not culturally feasible to be a Bible Christian. It's really not. And listen, it's got to be okay. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, you talk about they were a minority of a minority of a minority. They had, they had a, 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 a governmental authority, a spiritual authority, and they were here, but he wanted them to live as if they were here. Now, I'll give you a little hint. You see, I believe that what happened to Paul was that his heavenly experience of having Christ revealed to him, and if Christ was revealed to him, it was a heavenly encounter, and it was an enthroned Christ. That became Paul's perspective for how he saw the world that he was living in, and it became his mission to give that perspective to the people to whom he was ministering and over, and it's my job to give it to you. Almost done. Have the eyes of your inmost self open to God's light and you'll know exactly what the hope is that goes with God's call. Oh, and again, again. Oh, I want to live there. My son has been really good for me to have around because he'll mirror me to myself. And so my, my son gets the grumpy dad. You know, the guy who grouses about the world and, and, and he said to me recently, he said, he said, he said, dad, I don't worry about what you say. He says, I know by Sunday, you'll get yourself together. And when you get up in front of the people, you'll tell them how it really is. <laughs> I got to thinking about that. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. No, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's good. No, that's bad. I'm like, it's good that I get myself together, but it's interesting to have it mirrored back to you. Why don't you walk with yourself together? <laughs> of course, I'm the only one grumpy in this whole room, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. No, none of you have been wringing your hands. We don't wash our hands. We wring our hands. You ain't been wringing your hands this week about the condition of things, have you? Sure you have. Sure you have. Because it's an uncertain time. And it's going to be okay.
then you'll know exactly what the hope is that goes with God's call. You'll know the wealth of the glory of his inheritance in his holy people. The wealth of the glory of his inheritance. I want you to know you serve a God who says, I'm so wealthy. You understand that the human creature is the only thing that God has that volitionally gives itself to him. And that's his inheritance, his wealth. He endowed the human creature with the capacity to be God-like in their, in their carrying of themselves in the world. And his delight is when those people say, I'm yours. And you'll know the outstanding greatness of his power toward us who are loyal in faith to him in faith according to the working of his strength and power. And I'm going to unpack for you how that faith is related to the power of God. And then this last text. You guys okay? Am I boring you into oblivion? You know, never mind. It, this, was, this was the power at work in the king when God raised him from the dead and sat him at his right hand in heavenly places. So why are you persecuting me? Who are you? I'm Jesus. You're alive? You've been raised? You're ascended? That was Paul's revelation. Now he brings that to us. You need the spirit of revelation because there's a world desperate for people who walk not just by information but by revelation. All the time people come to me, they want the information. They want informational proof. And I say, no proof will be given to you but me. I've become very audacious about this. I'm on Bourbon Street. Can you prove God exists? I'm like, I'm the proof. Then they don't know what to say to that. They've never heard that argument. It's too bad to even answer, they think. But it's also the truth. Because if people come to know God, they're going to come to know him. Because the risen, the risen Jesus is at residence in you. And the, and the revelation of Jesus in you is going to abolish all of their need for proof. Because our God it says, uh, no, I'm not going to prove myself to you in the lab but in the glory of the life that I put in those who know me. You're all the revelation the world's going to get of Jesus. So when you're grumpy, stay home. <laughs> above all rule and authority and power and lordship and above every name that gets itself talked about, every name that is named both in the present age and also in the age to come. This last thing, and this will be the clue to where we'll go next. Yes, God has put all things under his feet. 
So Paul wrote to Ephesian Christians, a body of Jews and Gentiles in Christ who were a tiny minority in the cities and towns of the Ephesian area. And he said to them, the one you're serving, God has put all things under his feet. And they looked around and said, we don't see it. And you and I live in a world where we don't see all things under his feet. And that's the mystery we'll tackle next. Yes, God has put all things under his feet and given to him the church as the head over all. The church is his body. It is the fullness of the one who fills all. The church is the fullness of the one who fills all. Uh, I just say this because stop belly aching about God's church. You are his church. The fullness of the one who fills all in all. Okay. Hallelujah. I'm done. Stand. Okay, just wait on the Lord. And lean into his presence. Just lean into God's heart. Take yourself to the place in your, in your mind, whatever you renewed mind. Take yourself to the place of victory with your renewed mind, the place where God has given you victory in marriage and family and parenting, finances in the thoughts of your heart in faith, hope, and love. Lean in. Come, Holy Spirit. There it is. There it is. There it is. Mama, mama, mama. If you're longing be awakened in this spirit of revelation, the spirit, if you want your eyes opened, your eyes opened to see what you're not seeing. If that's a burden in your heart, would you come forward? Just come on while I'm talking. Just begin to come. Um, conversion is getting your eyes open. There was a young man last week that came on Saturday night. Just go ahead and come if you want to, if you're going to receive prayer. And oh, by the way, when we pray for people this morning, Kingdom Manners says, here's what we're going to do. You're not going to touch somebody without asking them if it's all right. And you're going to tell them where you're going to put your hand. And probably right now, put your hand on their shoulder. You say, Pastor, you're being weird. No, I'm being, I'm having manners. I'm using manners. Um, so if you come forward and we pray for you with a touch, it'll be requested before we do it. Holy Spirit, come. Now, last week, this young man came.
and he was not a Christian. And it was very interesting to me. I went back and met with him and talked to him. He said, I have so many questions. No, no, no. I just have these questions. And he had seen his friend recently come here and Christ came into her life and she changed, really changed. He said, he came here and he said, I just have questions. I have this and this in my background, but I don't understand. And I need somebody to talk to me. So I made an appointment to talk to him, right? And, um, so I did meet with him Thursday, but here was what was interesting. I walked away from him because it was well after church. And then I looked around and all of a sudden he was surrounded by our young adults. And there was just like this roar coming out of them as they were praying for this young man. And then when I met with him on Thursday, I took one look at him and the light was on. Awesome. It was so awesome. It was just so beautiful. I just took one look at it. And, and I'm like, what about all those questions? He's like, uh. he literally couldn't think of his questions. We went ahead and talked for a good long while about Jesus and the Bible and, and some things that would help him. But it was the spirit of revelation. His eyes got open because he called on the name of the Lord. And all he could talk about was, oh, something happened to me. <laughs> something happened to me. Now, what I'm doing here is saying, if that hasn't happened in your life, it can. This is what faith in Jesus does. And secondly, if it has happened in your life, I'm calling people forward because I'm saying, stir it up. In Jesus' name, stir it up again.